This episode of That's What G Said podcast is brought to you by full-service realtor Cindy Carava. Visit cindycarava.com for all of your real estate needs. On this episode, That's What G Said, I'm going to talk some college football. We'll recap last week. We have the college football plays for this week. NFL recaps every single NFL game from week three. If you're a fan, if you're a gambler, if you're interested in fantasy football, DFS, you want to listen in and hear what happened in each of the game recaps. We'll preview Thursday night football with the Eagles at the Packers. Santa Anita opening day on Friday They actually have a couple graded stakes races On the card on Friday They'll give you those 2 year old graded stakes races And a nice little turf sprint So we're going to get through the Santa Anita Friday card And we'll also uh, Go through every horse In each of those graded stakes races On Friday And we'll close things out Answering uh, some of your tweets And your posts With what's on your mind for this week Hope you enjoy this episode September 26, 2019 According this episode of That's What G Said Podcast In the middle of What I just love This time of the year when it comes to sports The middle of Just kind of stopped in the middle of a sentence right there, didn't I? I said the middle of the best time of the year in sports Right now well, On this episode we're going to talk a lot of football some horse racing But Coming up We have the baseball playoffs starting next week On October the 1st Tuesday and Wednesday are the wild card games And then the divisional round start I believe on Thursday and Friday NBA training camp starts The Lakers have their first preseason game on October the 5th Santa Anita is just opening up We have big races now coming up each of the next few weekends leading up to the Breeders' Cup, which means we also have big prep races at Belmont Park. We have big prep races starting up soon at Keeneland. Breeders' Cup, November 1st and 2nd. If you're a wrestling fan, WWE moving to Fox next Friday for SmackDown. All Elite Wrestling going to be on television. TNT. NXT. Is now on USA TNA even Is now going to be moving to Axis on Tuesday So you're going to have a nice Monday, Tuesday Wednesday, Friday Wrestling schedule there If you're a fan of Some good television How about the, the Good Place and Superstore Making their returns Lots going on Right now And that's in the next few weeks And you heard the intro for this show This will be a college football NFL We'll preview the Thursday night game in Little Santa Anita for Friday opening day. Guess what, folks? Starting the 
childcare classes next week because we are about, we, me and Stephanie, five weeks away. Due date for the baby, for little baby, baby boy Bacola will be on uh, November the 4th. So, not far away. Getting excited now, starting the classes. I keep just picturing like the, the, the Lamaze classes that we see in every movie with the. But we have a few different uh, of these child care and child care prep classes that we'll have uh, coming up soon. So, wish us luck as we get closer and closer to the big day college football. Oh, from just a betting standpoint, last week was so frustrating. Ended up three and five overall last week, and we really liked the slate. And the games that uh, so it started out, you know, it was going to be a rough week when it started out with that Houston loss. That was just a bad loss. That's going to go down on one of the on the bad beats of the year as far as college football. Had no business not covering that. Now they lose their quarterback. North Carolina, we had North Carolina minus three. Turn the ball over three times. Still have a chance late in the game to score a touchdown into cover. And end up losing by three. Kansas, we have plus four. They end up losing that game by five. Michigan gets blown out. Just a terrible start for Michigan, too. You knew right away they were in some trouble because turn the ball over. And then they had a bad uh, call go against them. It looked like it was it was a catch that should have kept the drive alive. And then Stanford. You hold Oregon to 21 points. You can't get yourself to 12. So that's a rough... You know, with the Houston, the Kansas, Stanford. Like we could have been on the right side of a lot of those games. Now 8-7 and seven in college overall this year against the spread. And just two plays... This week in college football. It's a good week though uh, on the slate. There are a couple of good games on Friday. Uh, on Saturday. USC plays Washington. Up at Washington. USC coming off their big win against Utah. Now down to their third string quarterback. I don't like this game as far as playing the game. This is a game I think is going to be tough for USC. We've got Virginia at Notre Dame. Ohio State at Nebraska. I think the Washington State at Utah game is going to be a little bit interesting. 7 o'clock night game. No, I guess, real big, big matchups. Uh, like we had a couple of really like, top-tier matchups last week. And that kind of lead... A, a lot of the way I play the games are... Uh, you know, you'll hear people talk about playing spots or playing teams... You know, I, I I mostly play spots, but I, it has to be a combination of you're playing spots all, because you know a team. A lot of times you're playing spots, but like I can't play a spot unless I I trust the team in the spot. So I guess it's a combination of both for me always. Just the two plays this week. There were two other games that I looked at. I'm probably not going to play. If you're thinking about playing, maybe throw them into a parlay or something. If you're going, you know, or if you're playing small. I know people like to play a lot of parlays. It's obviously not the smart play play to make, but if you're playing small ones, um, you know, for for some fun, trying to trying to make a few bucks, I'm I'm not against it. ASU 
at Cal. Cal's coming off that big win last week at Mississippi, and that game was really weird at the end of the game. The refs didn't look at that one play against Mississippi when they really should have, and Mississippi could have had the opportunity to tie that game up. I think this is going to be a little bit of a weird game for Cal. Because remember, ASU lost last week. We played Colorado against ASU last week. That was one of our, our couple of victories with uh, along with Notre Dame and USC. And and now I think ASU was a little overvalued because they were coming off the win against Michigan State. Now they might be a little undervalued because they're coming off the loss against Colorado and California's coming off their win. They might be a little overvalued. I think this looks like a, an okay spot uh, if you can get Arizona State at plus five. I'm just still a little tentative. So th- like these, this was one of the two games I looked at, but not going to be one of my my two plays this week. The other one was Northwestern plus 24. This is just a, a spot too. I feel like Wisconsin was up so big last week. Uh, they they got up so big for that game. Maybe they just play a little flat in this game. I don't think they lose by any means, but maybe they just win this game by 17. And you know, 21. 24. 24 and a half seems like a lot. Looked at those two, but the two plays will be Maryland plus the seven. Make sure you can get seven. Look around for seven. It's six and a half, seven, but I see seven in some different places, and I, and I was able to get a seven. Penn State just it didn't look very good in, in a couple games this year against Buffalo and against Pitt. Now, those two teams are really aren't that bad. Uh, they ended up winning against Pitt 17-10. Pitt actually had more total yards and more first downs than Penn State. Maryland looked like a world beater in their first couple games. They scored 79 and 63 points in their first two games. And then they had a flat game last week at Temple. After a couple good games, they had Penn State coming up. They, I'm sure they were looking ahead to this game with a big, big game, you know, against Penn State circled. And that game against Temple was a trap game. Maryland threw an interception on the 39-yard line. They missed a fourth and goal from the one. They missed a 42-yard field goal. They got stopped on a fourth and three at the 16. They missed an extra point. Then with four minutes and 53 seconds left, Maryland had a first and goal from the four. Ended up third and goal from the one. They couldn't get in twice. Penn State was actually down at half to Buffalo. You dig into their numbers a little bit. They aren't that dominant of a team that you would expect as a number 12 ranking. They've allowed six sacks, 12 tackles for loss in weeks two and three against Buffalo and Pitt. Some good uh, stats found with uh, the SI, Sports Illustrated Gambling. Maryland averages 8.6 tackles for loss per game. Even when they struggled to score last week against Temple, they only allowed 20 points and they their defense played very well. Other than a big holding on a third and 14 that Ended up giving Temple a, a first and goal and a go-ahead and touchdown. But the D, the D does, it's a strong D. I just don't like this matchup for Penn State. I've been looking for good spots to try to play against this team, and I think this is a good one, and it's a good spot. Uh, Maryland plus the seven at home against Penn State. This game's on Friday night. Friday night, five Pacific. The Arizona, Calif- Arizona State-California game is also Friday night. But uh, first play, Maryland plus seven versus Penn State. Second second game I like, 
Only two I'll be playing this week. Virginia plus 12 and a half in Notre Dame. Played Notre Dame last week. Hung tough with Georgia. Started to get a little nervous. Looked like that game was going to slip away. But they hung tough, and that's what scares me. They go and play a really big game against Georgia on the road. A game that has big time playoff and the national championship implications for a team like Notre Dame who has high expectations. That's their big game they circle. Now they come back and play a Virginia team who to Notre Dame, this is just another game. To Virginia, this is the biggest game of their year. They circle this game. And Virginia was looking ahead last week. They are coming off their trap game. Where they overlooked Old Dominion. Virginia was down 17-7 at the half. But then they shut Old Dominion out in the second half. I think it's going to be a different story for for Virginia this week. I think they come out firing. I think they were ready for this game. I think Notre Dame may be a little bit flat. A little banged up after playing Georgia. Let's go Virginia in here. Plus the 12.5 at Notre Dame. Maryland plus 7 versus Penn State. Virginia plus 12.5 at Notre Dame. Two plays this weekend. Trying to improve on the 8 and 7. Mentioned the other two games I looked at. Uh, if you want to go a little deeper. But for me, just those two. Good luck in the college slate. NFL recaps. Gotta say, I love the uh, love the hours spent watching these recaps. I really do. It's good for many ways, right? If you're someone who gambles, I think it's nice to be able to watch the games back and see what happens all the way throughout. If you're someone who plays fantasy football, it's nice to see what happens, how much certain players are involved. Sometimes you don't see things in the statistics, whether there be penalties or plays called back or little little things happen that might not be written in somewhere. That you it's so much better when you can see it yourself. So I'll try to be uh I'll try to be the best eyes for you in uh, in a lot of these recaps and point out anything that, that just seems a little bit off or a little bit interesting to me. And this is a coming off a week where so different now with all these new quarterbacks. And we saw some real impressive performances this week. To kick things off with the the Thursday night football game from last week. We recapped on uh, on the Friday episode. That was the uh, Jags Titans. And remember that game was all about the Jags defense. They just were sacking Mariota like crazy. Minshew was fine. Fournette broke a late run. Uh the Jags were up Pretty steady throughout There a couple of drops actually could have put the Jags up Big even earlier So if you want to hear about that game You can uh, you can listen into uh, last week's episode Where we recapped that one And went through all the uh, Sunday games Let's talk Packers-Denver This game was Packers 27-Denver 16 Pack got the ball to start Five plays in Defensive offsides on Denver Rodgers takes a shot downfield like always On the free play 40 yard touchdown Green Bay's up 7-0 Right off the bat just like they've been all year long With 12-20 left in the first quarter Broncos get a 60 yard Run back on a kickoff Can't move the ball Three and out Packers have a third and 15 And Rodgers hits Valdez Scantling on the run for 20 Just misses the tight end for a touchdown End up having to punt There's a penalty On the fair catch 
for interference. It actually was a bad call. It looked like the Packer player got blocked into the Denver receiver. It gave Denver an extra 15 yards to start the drive. And Denver had some long drives in this game. They went 15 plays, 77 yards for a touchdown, 835 time of possession. 14 plays for positive yardage. Flacco was 5 of 6 on the drive. He actually scrambled for a first down on 3rd and 3. 7-7 with 14 minutes and 18 seconds left in the half. Packers drive the ball. They have to settle for a field goal. So now it's 10-7 with 11-19 left in the half. Denver again with another one of these drives. They go 15 plays, 63 yards. They have to kick a field goal though. 7-29 time of possession for the drive. Lindsay goes for 9 They get a font, uh, font pass for 17 Freeman for 4 then for 5 Sanders for 6 and a pass Lindsay for 4 Lindsay for a 12 yard pass Freeman scores a touchdown It gets nullified by a holding call That's 3rd and goal Flacco gets sacked for 10 yards And then they have to kick a 30 yard field goal So it's 10-10 with 3.50 left in the half After Forcing a 3 and out Denver gets the ball So it's 2-17 now It's 10-10 They got the momentum They've had two really nice drives First play Flacco gets sacked Fumbled Recovered by Green Bay On the 7 yard line It's first and goal for Green Bay Two plays later They score a touchdown The Packers have been taking advantage All year long They score a touchdown Right before half Instead of You know the Denver possibly Kicking a field goal Or it, Getting up 13-10 or going into the half 10-10 Now they're down 17-10 at the half And then Denver gets the ball to start Third play of the half Of the second half Of the third quarter Another fumble by Denver On a pass to Font Ball gets picked up First down But the ball gets punched out So now it's first and 10 for Green Bay At the Denver 37 Rodgers to Vitali for 27 yards And then an Aaron Jones touchdown Boom It's 10-10 You turn the ball over twice They score two touchdowns Now you're down by 14 With 12 minutes in the third Denver goes on another long drive 12 plays, 75 yards 6 minutes and 10 on this drive But they miss the extra point It's a fourth and goal from the one Lindsey makes this unbelievable run He looks like he was stuffed at the three He breaks a couple tackles Then at the two he powers through A couple tacklers and It's a really good run for a touchdown 24-16 it was an ugly Packers drive Right after this They end up punting After a Denver penalty The Broncos start on their own three They have a third and six And then a great th- uh, throw from Flacco To a wide open Sutton for 52 yards Denver gets down to the Green Bay 38 Flacco throws an interception Every time they're about to Make something happen uh, Looks like they take the momentum You get a fumble, you get a fumble Then you get an interception The Packer Offense just was was not good Though They kind of left Denver in the game Rodgers had to throw it away Repeatedly for A, you know, a couple drives Then you get a Broncos punt Packers were finally able to move the ball a little bit It was 3rd and 5 uh, On a pass to Williams Crosby hits a 41 uh, yard field goal It's 27-16 With 5.49 left in the game Denver ends up picking up a 3rd and 14 They're trying to score but they can't sustain the drive They have to turn the ball over on downs With 2.17 left Green Bay even misses a field goal from 45 yards With a minute 9 left They end up winning the game 27-16 And you look at the Just the overall stats You probably think Denver wins this game Until you look at the turnovers 
Denver had 310 total yards Green Bay had 312 They were even Denver had 20 first downs To Green Bay's 16 first downs Denver was 8 of 15 on third down Green Bay was only 2 of 9 Denver ran 73 total plays Green Bay only ran 52 Denver had the ball for 35 minutes Plus Green Bay only had it for around 24 Denver only had 3 penalties for 27 yards But they had 3 turnovers And on those 3 turnovers Scored 14 points for Green Bay They immediately scored 2 touchdowns after Denver is 0-3 for the first time Since 1999 And the Broncos are the only team in the last 50 years Not to have a sack Or a takeaway through 3 games This was a Stat we've seen floating around Twitter A few different spots I think it's on Mike Lease, 9 News Last 50 years The first team not to have a sack or a takeaway Through 3 games This was supposed to be that vaunted defense With Fangio Lions Eagles Lions 24 Eagles uh, Lions 27 Eagles 24 They beat the Eagles Marvin Jones Jr. had a really good game He had over 100 yards Galladay was kind of quiet And the Eagles overall They've just been banged up And they had 7 or 8 drops Depending on what uh, the, the different stats either, either way That's a lot of drops That's too many drops Philly starts the game 40 yard pass to Sanders It's 3rd and 11 at the 25 Pass interference on Detroit Sets up a 1st and 10 at the 11 Wentz overthrow on third down So Philly has to kick a field goal The 11-28 in the first They're up 3 nothing. Next play 100 yard touchdown On a kick return from Agnew For Detroit Detroit's up 7-3 They have not run an offensive play With 11-14 left uh, There might have been one hand that touched him Great setup Great blocking Great run Great everything on the return from, from Detroit Philly gets the ball back You get Wentz to Ertz Wide open for 23 yards Jordan Howard With a few nice runs 11-6 2 yards Sanders picks up a Nine on a third and one He was involved a lot Sanders he had 13 carries For 53 yards Involved in the passing game A good amount also Third and six Went steps up and runs for 19 To the one yard line Next play touchdown Howard 10-3 Philly early 6-15 left in the first So it looks like Philly's gonna jump uh, On top and, and maybe blow Detroit out Not so fast Third and one Detroit picks up the first down With Johnson Third and ten to Galladay for 10 Johnson was running well early couple, 2 yards, 5 yards, 11 yards And a touchdown 13 play drive 75 yards and a touchdown 7.06 on that drive 7 minutes and 6 seconds That drive took up TJ Hawkinson had an easy touchdown But he stepped out the back of the end zone Before making the catch There was a penalty on Philly for offsides On the next play for Detroit They scored So it's 14-10 Detroit with 14.09 left in the half Wentz uh, escapes a couple of sacks But a bad miss Had Sanders wide open for at least 15 It might have been a touchdown There was nobody in sight Philly picks up a third and seven Then an OPI call sets Philly back So many offensive pass interference calls Aguilar drops a first down So Philly has to punt that was a bad drive for Philly There was a Wentz overthrow They had an OPI and an Aguilar drop They had opportunities to really Really do a lot more On that drive where they had to punt But Detroit doesn't capitalize They have to punt it right back 
Philly drives, they pick up a first down uh, Sanders fumbles, Philly recovers Philly gets to their 45 It's second and four And then another Sanders fumble That's recovered by Detroit It's punched out And the Detroit gets the ball on their own 49 On the next play, it's a reverse to McKissick For 44 yards Detroit has first and goal at the Philly 7 They have to kick a field goal though So it's the 17-10 Detroit With 329 left in the half Philly gets the ball Wentz to Ertz for 23 yards Wentz with a 5 yard scramble Then a 12 yard pass to Hollins Uh, Pass to Aguilar Fumbles Detroit gets the ball and returns to Philly 22 yard line with a minute 51 But again Detroit only able to get a field goal Now up 20 to 10 With 52 seconds left in the half And the Lions get the ball to start the third quarter But they have to punt Eagles get the ball, they're driving But a bad OPI call on 3rd and 7 It should have been an Eagles first down Instead, the Eagles have to punt Detroit's pinned back They're just able to pick up a a first down Then they they have to punt also Eagles with a quick touchdown drive 6 plays, 47 yards Aguilar with a 20-yard touchdown It's 2017 With 4.15 left in the 3rd 3rd and 4, Stafford makes a great play To Marvin Jones for 27 yards uh, another near Hawkinson touchdown He Gets stripped before the completion Marvin Jones Again 12 yards Nice catch and a very good throw Where only Jones could get it for a touchdown 27-17 Detroit with 14-49 left Wentz With The ball he just kind of steps right into Back to back sack so it's a quick three and out For Philly and a quick three and out for Detroit Galladay was out of bounds on a first down catch So Detroit has to punt it back Wentz goes deep to Sanders for 38 yards Then Sanders for a couple nice runs For 5 for 14 Wentz hits Goddard wide open in the end zone It's a bad drop It was 3rd and 7 Wentz has to throw it away But a Detroit roughing the passer call Gives Philly an automatic first down It was going to be 3rd and 7 for Philly But the unnecessary roughness sets up 1st and goal At the 5 Aguilar touchdown, now it's just 27-24 With 6.59 left A big 3rd and 11 for Detroit They go to Amendola for 15 They're able to drive down the field For 8 plays, 35 yards And they're able to take 3 minutes and 43 seconds off the clock Then they punt it back Stafford uh, was on the run He underthrows Jones It would have been a 1st down With 3.25 left Eagles just can't move the ball at all They have to turn the ball over on downs It's 3rd and 10, they just miss And Detroit After just missing that 3rd and 10 To Jones at the 2 yard line They have to try to kick a field goal It gets blocked Philly still couldn't take advantage They have a 4th and 8 completion And ends up being offensive pass interference on Sproles Then a 4th and 15 It looks like the ball is caught In the end zone by Arcega Whiteside Would have won the game Dropped That's the the name of the game for Philly Injuries and drops They go to 1-2 and And the Lions remain unbeaten Through 3 weeks Chiefs 33 Ravens 28 Chiefs got the ball to start And you get a Mahomes scramble for 11 yards To pick up a first down Kelsey for 20 yards Watkins for 11 yards Fumbles the ball though Recovered by KC Then an intentional grounding call And a big Baltimore sack forces a Kansas City punt It was a great first drive for Baltimore 23 yards 
Boyle, Ingram for a 21-yard run. Jackson overthrows Brown a couple times. And uh, a couple Lamar runs, seven-yard scramble. Sets up a fourth and two at the Kansas City 9. Lamar runs for a first down and then an easy Ingram touchdown. There's a penalty on Kansas City on the extra point. So Baltimore tried to go for two since it was closer, but they missed 6-0 with 4.24 left in the first. McCoy was running really well, even though he was banged up and he left the game and apparently banged up for Kansas City. Mahomes to Kelsey for 21 yards. Uh, and then you add 15 for a personal foul. It was third and goal. Pressure on Mahomes. He had to throw it away. It should have been fourth and four. Then a horse collar tackle on Baltimore. Gave an automatic first down to Kansas City and they scored a touchdown. With 14-18 in the second, KC was up 7-6. Baltimore gets a first down. Spot was bad. It gets challenged and overturned. So it was fourth and one. They get it. Fourth and two, Lamar, low throw under pressure. So Kansas City gets the ball. Five plays, 47-yard drive to Marcus Robinson. Nice one-handed yard, touchdown catch. 14-6 with 7.52 left in the half. Lamar's a real inaccurate early. Overthrows, not great on the run. Uh, Screen pass deflected. Gus Edwards had a long touchdown run that was negated by a penalty and... Ended up being a Baltimore punt. Kansas City goes on a nice little drive with a 9-yard McCoy run, 4-yard McCoy run, 83-yard pass to Hardman, wide open. Wide open. 26 after the missed extra point with 3 minutes left in the half. Lamar with a wild throw on 3rd and 15. He overthrows Hurst on 3rd and uh, 15. KC gets the ball with a minute 18 left in the half. Another great catch by Robinson. Sets up Kansas City drive for a field goal to end the half. They are just so scary. Baltimore takes a 6-0 lead. They have a turnover on downs and they punt. And all of a sudden, instead of being up 6-0, they're down 20-6. to Because Casey gets the ball and scores three times. Baltimore got the ball to start the third quarter. They go nine plays, 75-yard drive, eight runs all 75 yards on this drive was rushing 23-13 with 10 minutes 35 left in the third So they're down 10 now it Starts to really rain McCoy's running hard But botch snap on fourth down Gives Baltimore the ball on their 43-yard line But they cannot capitalize They have to punt to Kansas City Eight plays, 80-yard touchdown for KC Near Mahone's interception Baltimore defenders Uh had it right in their arms. There's a big third and six for Kansas City at the Baltimore 28. Mahomes with an interception. It got overturned by a penalty. Pass interference. McCoy with a screen pass touchdown. It was 30-13 to with 2.07 left in the quarter. Nice 13-play, 75-yard drive for Baltimore. Lamar missed a throw to Brown. Takes a bad sack for 12 yards. It was fourth and five. Falling down. He just throws one up to Seth Roberts for 25 yards. And to the two. I mean, it was an absolute heave-up. Baltimore scored a touchdown. They're down 30-19 with 12-22 left. They go for two, and they miss it. I saw a lot of people talking about this. I looked this up. If they were to kick the extra point, they would have a 7.2 chance to win. They make the two-point conversion, a 10.9 chance to win. They miss the two-point conversion, a 5.7 chance to win. That actually was the right play by Harbaugh. After a Sammy Watkins drop, Kansas City has to punt. Baltimore drives 
a great throw and catch to Brown from Lamar, and then on the next play, Lamar overthrows him. Lamar rolls right, throws completely across the field for 23 yards on third and 17, and then he throws it away, then into traffic, then he takes a sack. Baltimore has to kick a field goal, so they're down 30 to 22 with 6:39 left. Kansas City gets a, a 41-yard run from Darrell Williams, and then they kick a field goal. So now they're up 33-22 with 4:36 left. Lamar with a kind of a fancy shovel pass. He just kind of flips it on over. A nice run for a touchdown after that for nine yards. He breaks a few tackles and he sidesteps in. Kansas City just needed to get one first down to win the game, and they got a 16-yard pass from Mahomes. You look at the final numbers overall, Baltimore hung pretty tough, but Kansas City and their explosiveness, Baltimore with a couple extra penalties, that proved to be the difference in the game. Buffalo 21, Cincinnati 17. Buffalo got a big in this game early. Allen, uh, his first pass was almost a tipped interception, though, on a high throw. They had a three and out in their first drive. John Ross with a drop on the first play for Cincinnati. Dalton was pressured a lot early. They had a three and out in their first drive. Gore ran really well in this game, though. 14 carries, 76 yards, a touchdown, a couple of receptions for 13 yards. There was pressure on Allen a couple times. Uh, He made a nice throw on the run to pick up a first down on third and 17, 27-yard pass. Uh, then there was an intentional grounding penalty that took Buffalo out of field goal range. Bengals drove uh, legal formation, lots of pressure on Dalton. They punt back to Buffalo. It was a nice drive for Allen. It was a little high on a few passes, but his receivers helped him out. Then a great throw on third and six, compounded with the Bengals roughing the passer penalty. Then a personal foul set up a Buffalo touchdown. There's a penalty on the kick. It gave Buffalo a clear two-point conversion. It was 8-0 Buffalo. This is another time where we saw team kick get the penalty on the kick, and then instead of just taking the, the kick, they decided to move it up and go for two. Ravens didn't get it. Buffalo did get it. Bengals run the kickoff back, but it's holding, so the touchdown gets negated. On a first down from their own 25 with 249 left in the first, they're trying to get the run established, but nothing for Cincy. They just go three and out. Josh Allen to John Brown. There's a drop. Then a holding penalty, which pushes Buffalo back. Allen trips, fumbles, picks the ball up, and then makes a pass for a couple yards. Bills kick a field goal. It's now 11-0. After a first down for Cincinnati, we get a John Ross fumble. Bills get the ball. First down at the Cincy 39. Allen makes a nice play, a near touchdown pass, but he gets broken up in the end zone. Knox gets tangled. Knox was getting targeted quite a bit and involved a lot. Maybe uh, someone to keep an eye on for fantasy purposes. So the Bills up 11-0. There was a fumble by Yeldon on the 10-yard line going in. It cost him at least three points. Uh, three and out for Cincinnati. The Bills got the ball with 5.09 left in the half. Bills picked up a, a first down, but it was overturned. The ball hit the ground on a pass to Brown. Forces a, a Bills field goal. So it's 14-0 with 2.11 left in the half. Dalton pass was deflected. Then a nice 25-yard play to Tate. They just missed on a touchdown pass to Ross up the sideline. Hit Ross's fingers, but just out of his reach. Then a big sack on third and ten. It forces a Bengals punt. And the Bills get the ball with a minute 23 left. Allen runs the ball. He fumbles. It looks like a bank. the Bengals recover inbounds on the sideline, but they are out of bounds. Ball goes back to the Bills. I thought it was a bad call. 
uh, on the 30-yard line. Allen overthrows Zay Jones for a touchdown, and they get Hauschka's 62-yard field goal attempt at the end of the half, but it's no good. Bills are up 14-0. Cincinnati's drives to start the game. Three and out, punt, three and out, punt, three and out, punt. One play fumble, three and out, punt. Five plays, 16 yards, punt. One play fumble, four plays, punt. Three plays, interception. And they got right back in this game. They had the ball to start the third quarter. Just under a ton of pressure. One first down, then they had a punt. Things are going well for Buffalo. But Buffalo has to punt. So both teams punt them in their first possession of the second half. Then a Dalton interception to the Buffalo 40. Three plays later, Josh Allen returns the favor with an interception. That gets returned to the Buffalo 22. Just trying to do a little too much. Buffalo should have been up a lot more than 14 nothing. Because three plays later, the Bengals score a touchdown. It's 14-7 now with 5.50 left in the third. Gore with a big run for 22 yards. Yeldon with a 10-yard run. First and 10 for uh, at the Cincy 40. The Bills are driving. Then a near interception on an Allen pass. Bills punt. Cincy gets the ball, 14-yard run for Mixon, first down pass for Dalton, another first down pass for Dalton, another first down pass to Boyd on a slant on third and four. Really nice drive from the Bengals, ended with a short pass to Mixon for a touchdown, 14-14 with 12-27 left. Bills pick up a first down, but they have to punt the ball back to Cincinnati. Bengals pick up a huge 39 on their own 15. Dalton to Boyd for 26 yards. Second and 12 screen pass to Mixon for 33 yards. Cincinnati field goal to take a 17-14 lead with 4.54 left. Bills, they get a pass to Beasley for 8 yards. And a big play to Knox for 49 yards. Josh Allen with a few really impressive runs for first downs. He's breaking tackles all over. It sets up a short touchdown. Bills lead 21-17 with a minute 50 left. Bengals pick up a first few downs. They really start to move the ball well. They're down to the Buffalo 28. It's third and five. A pass is too high. It's tipped off Tate's hands for an interception to end the game with 12. It's really to end the game, 12 seconds left. The Bills are able to hold on. Since he turned the ball over four times to the Buffalo 2, still able to cover this game on the road. Buffalo might have been looking ahead to the big game they have this weekend. With the Patriots. Colts Falcons. Colts 27. Falcons 24. Colts got the ball to start. It was a steady drive. And ended up at the 49-yard field goal for Vinatieri. He is still in the mix. Even after his few bad weeks. And this one banked off the upright and in. Colts got up 3-0. Falcons had the ball with 9.25 left in the first. First play. Freeman goes for 28 yards up the middle. He ran a lot better in this game. Uh, 16 carries for 88 yards and then a couple receptions for 7 yards. There was a big penalty on a 3rd and 5 that made it 3rd and 15. It took Atlanta out of field goal range, so they had a punt. Marlon Mack running really well in his first couple drives. 5 yards, 14 yards, 8 yards, 9-yard pass. Then on a big pass to T.Y. Hilton, a couple penalties on Atlanta, a personal foul. It was tough to call because T.Y. was making an adjustment. To come get the ball. They call the personal foul on the defender. I hate, I hate those calls. Percet had a third and five pass to Ebron that he hits wide. Uh, then he hits a wide open pass call for a touchdown. So 10 0 Colts early with a minute 25 left in the first. Atlanta's moving the ball well, though. They get the uh, Jones for 17 yards, Cooper for 20, Freeman for six, then for four. 
And then Matt Ryan throws just an awful interception at the Colts' four-yard line. And he gets the ball after that. They go 94 yards, 15 plays, 8 minutes and 20 seconds. Past the five different receivers on the drive. They have it at first and goal at the one. They end up losing two yards, and they have to kick a field goal at fourth and goal from the three. So they go up 13-0. After another nice Freeman run, Atlanta has to settle for a field goal, 13-3 with 2-13 left in the half. Indy goes off on a 10-play, 64-yard drive. Busted play on third and one at the Atlanta 31. It should have been fourth and three. Too many men on the field for Atlanta. Hines was good out of the backfield, catching passes for the Colts. And then a bummer of a play. Keanu Neal, who was injured for Atlanta, could tell he had a bad injury, and so he threw his helmet to the ground after re-injuring a knee that kept him out for all of 2018. And the refs gave him an unsportsmanlike conduct, even though he was injured. Gave Indy five yards and a first and goal at the four. And after a Brissett pass... In a near interception, Colts scored a touchdown, so it's 20-3 with 9 seconds left in the half. Atlanta gets the ball to start the half. They go on a nice 8-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. Sanu for 16, Julio Jones for 34, and a touchdown to Hooper. 20-10 with 10-30 left in the third. Indy goes 3-and-out. They punt to Atlanta, and Atlanta goes on a long 16-play, 78-yard drive. Atlanta had three drives in the second half. They scored all three. They only had three. This drive goes 9.56. They get a third and 10 to Julio for 15. A third and 12 to Julio for 21. A third and 10 to Sanu for 12. A third and two to Ridley for six. Five third down conversions on the drive for Atlanta. Really six because uh, there was one that was taken away from a penalty. Taken away by a penalty. And they actually got it. 2017 Colts with 13.51 to go. The Colts get a near interception on a short pass. They go on an 11-play, 75-yard drive, 5 minutes, 11 seconds. Defensive holding on 3rd and 10 was a huge play to keep the drive alive. Gave them an automatic first down and kept the Colts drive alive, which ended up in a touchdown. 27-17 Colts lead with 8.40 left. Atlanta ball with 4.57 left. It's 3rd and 11. P.I. on Indy, on Julio, so it's an automatic first down. And then a roughing the passer call sets up Atlanta first and goal. Julio Jones touchdown. Atlanta's right back in at 27-24 with four minutes left to go. Atlanta has all three timeouts. They just can't stop Marlon Mack. Four yards, four yards, 26 yards, three yards, three yards. A Brissett throw to Ebron for eight to Doyle for 11 to get a first down and ice the game. Indy was 5 of 8 on third down. They are 4th in the league in third down conversion percentage. And Brissett just seems to always make plays. Lana just couldn't get the ball back enough in the second half. They only got the ball 3 times. Scored all 3. They had 16 penalties though. They are tied for 1st in the league with 35 penalties. And they're 2nd in penalty yardage. 264 total yards of penalties. They had more Total yards, but they just had too many penalties. Bad Matt Ryan interception, and they couldn't make big stops. So the Colts now 2-1, and one, Atlanta's 1-2 and two, as they move in to week 4. Pats-Jets, 
this game is just ugly. These Jets, these Jets games are hard to watch, and the the first few Pats games have been kind of hard to watch. The Jets had the ball early. They picked up a first down, then they punted. The Pats got the ball. A couple passes to Bolden and Edelman. Uh, they had a big one, a big pass for forty-one yards. Brady got hit pretty well in this game. He got hit a couple times. They went on a nine-play, eighty-eight-yard drive, scored a touchdown, but another miss extra point for Goskowski. He's got a missed field goal and three missed extra points in three games. Jets three and out. Then the Patriots go three plays for a touchdown. 13-0 with 425 in the first. A three and out for the Jets. Pats go 10 plays, 59 yards, 424. Time of possession. Edelman for a wide open touchdown. It's 20 to nothing just into the second quarter. Then things start to get a little ugly. Jets throw near interception. Brady throws a near interception. After the Pats score, you go, you get three. Jets go three yards and punt, or negative three yards and punt. Pats go negative five yards and punt. Jets go four plays, eighteen yards punt. Pats go five plays, nineteen yards punt. Jets go four plays, punt. Pats go five plays, punt. Just ugly. Patriots have to punt to start the third quarter. Falk then throws a bad interception on third and twelve. Patriots only able to kick a field goal. It's 23 to nothing. A couple penalties hurt them on that drive. They get up 30 to nothing, but they muff a punt, and the Jets are able to score a touchdown, so it's 30 to 7. Olszewski, Edelman was hurt. Gordon in this game, a couple really nice catches for the Pats. And Stidham, the backup quarterback, comes into the game for Brady. He overthrows a receiver. For a pick six for the Jets, who are now down 30-14, to 14, which ends up being the final. Brady came back into the game. Patriots just signed Cody Kessler as another quarterback. Maybe to battle for their backup spot, who knows, or maybe just to add a body for practice. Jets had 105 total yards. 2.2 yards per play. They were 0 for 12 on third down. Patriots had two. They've been sloppy, though, even in these games against the Jets and the Dolphins. Had two turnovers, eight penalties for 70 yards, missed extra point. You have to clean things up against these better teams. want to let you all know about Thrive Fantasy. Stop right now. I know you like football. You probably like gambling. Go check out thrivefantasy.com or go download the app. It's a new DFS app for props. Do you guys like to play prop wagers? Well, this is how you play Thrive Fantasy, you build a lineup based on props And if you're thinking, eh, I don't know, this sounds a little different Well, go check it out, I'll give you a, an additional reason why If you sign up right now and use the promo code G-I-N-O If you deposit 10 bucks, you'll get a $10 bonus right there So if you just deposit 10, 10 in, you'll get 10 right back You'll have 20 to play around with, try a few contests Let me know uh, what you think, I like it it's DFS, it's a little bit of gambling But just a little bit of a different take And it gives you some action, you can play in contests for just a few bucks You can play in bigger contests if you want Depending on whatever your budget is Give it a look ThriveFantasy.com And check out that Thrive Fantasy app Use the promo code G-I-N-O For that $10 bonus When you deposit 10 bucks. Vikings Raiders Vikings 33 Narrate as 14 And the Vikings Were beating up on the Raiders Most of this game But as a Vikings fan You really have to be still disappointed With 
what we've seen from from Kirk Cousins in the first play of the game, he trips over the the center after the snap. They had a three and out defensive holding on first down. Nice pass to Irv Smith for the Vikes, and then Thielen for a touchdown. So thirty five yard touchdown, seven zero with eleven twenty one in the first. Looks like you're going to get a three and out instead. Defensive holding gives them a first down. That's what happens when you're the Raiders and you're a bad team. You just can't do that when you go on the road to start a game like that. You have to play cleaner. So now the Raiders give the Vikings an extra set of downs after a penalty, and then the Raiders go three and out. Vikings punt right back. Raiders punt right back. There's a big third and six play. Card ha- uh, car has to slide, and then can't pick it up. Then the Vikings, they go on a nice drive Which is aided by a roughing the passer penalty And a face mask, so the big drives Aided by big penalties from the Raiders Cousins with the first down Scramble for 10 yards Then a Dalvin Cook touchdown He looks like the best running back in football right now He is healthy, let's hope he stays healthy He looks really, really good Vikes up 14-0 With 14.55 left in the half Two plays later Carr badly overthrows a receiver on a short pass badly overthrows him. It sets up the Vikings on the Raiders 30. Vikings pick up a big first down and a third and two to Cook. Then on a handoff to Thielen, they get up 21 to nothing with 11.06 left in the half. Raiders looking pitiful. But on third and 11, they get a huge play to Waller on a screen for 30 yards. Waller had 13 receptions for 134 yards. He had 14 targets. I believe he's second in the league in targets. There was a flea flicker touchdown pass for 29 yards to J.J. Nelson. 21-7, 7-26 left in the half. So the Raiders making a little noise. After a bad sequence for Cousins, it was mistiming with Thielen up the sideline, then a near interception on a short screen, then a punt. Raiders got up to midfield. They were moving the ball well. They were looking for Waller. He had his hands on one on third and six. It would have been a big first down for 20. Instead, it's a 21-7 at the half. Raiders got the ball to start the second half, but a three and out. And then Minnesota goes on a 10-play, 92-yard drive. That took five minutes. It was aided by a big 24-yard Raider PI penalty again. So, again, the story of Minnesota's drives aided by big Raider penalties. Madison was running well in this game too. He had 12 carries for 58 yards and a touchdown. 7:28 left in the third. It was 28 to 7 Minnesota, and then we just got some garbage time. The Raiders got stopped on a big fourth and one. A nice game for Irv Smith, who had a big pass negated by a penalty. Vikes kick a field goal. They're up 31-7. Final score in this game is 34-14. to Raiders have seven penalties for 84 yards and five of them that resulted in a first down for Minnesota. But Minnesota knows that Cousins just has to be better if they want to be better. Another uh, game that I think a lot of people expected Dallas to really just beat up on the Dolphins, they end up winning 31-6, but Miami was hanging tough early, and they looked a little excited with the, uh, I guess, maybe a little bounce in their step with Rosen starting. They they got the ball to start. They had a third and four, and it was a really nice one-handed catch by Devontae Parker for 40 yards. Then the ball went right through Drake's hands. It would have been at least a five-yard pass. Dolphins have to kick a field goal. 
try at least because they miss a 47-yard field goal. It's no good. Next play, Dallas ball, 37-yard pass to Amari. Three plays later, it's a first down at uh, first down at the Miami 11. Dak tries to squeeze a pass in. There's an almost interception, but Dallas kicks a field goal. It's three nothing with 10:27 left in the first. This game was tight. It was back and forth. Amari had a drop. Uh, Dak was a little shaky early. He had a couple overthrows. Uh, then a nice pass to Witten up the sideline. Dallas goes up 10-0 with 5.57 left in the first quarter. But at the end of the half, it was only 10-6. Miami had a second and goal at the three. They couldn't get the touchdown, so they had to kick a field goal. So it's 10-3. They had an onside kick. It looked like they recovered it, but they got called for an offsides. It was really close. I don't know if they were offsides. I like Miami trying things. Dak with a bad interception, he threw across his body in the middle of the field. The Dolphins go three and out. They just missed a first down to Preston Williams with a punt. Dak with a deep pass into double coverage. He's lucky it wasn't picked off. And then Dallas has to punt. Miami's driving, a nice jump catch by Williams. Fitzpatrick made that pass. He comes in for a few plays. Rosen was a little banged up. But then Rosen comes back in, throws a TD pass to Williams, who just can't hold on to it. So touchdown does not stand. It might have been a touchdown though It looked like he had the control And both feet before the ball was knocked out Instead Miami has to kick a field goal So it's 10-6 with 5.48 left in the half Miami was playing well They got another drive They go 8 plays, 76 yards There's a pass interference penalty for 26 yards Drake goes 19-yard pass, 11-yard pass It's first and goal for Miami at the Dallas 7 And then Drake fumbles the ball Cost Miami at least 3 Just 10-6 at the half And then Dallas turns things on in the second half Dallas They get the ball in the second play They score a 74-yard touchdown To Cobb Nice move Faces uh, Forces a missed tackle But it gets nullified in a holding penalty And then a nice throw on the run By Dak to Smith who breaks tackles For 33 yards Cobb Gets an actual pass for 20 yards here And then Amari with a 19 yard touchdown So quickly it's 17-6 Dallas with 12-28 left In the third Miami gets the ball Should have been a penalty On a late hit for pushing Rosen out of bounds Instead they have to punt The Cowboys go on a 9 play 76 yard touchdown drive The Dolphins muff a punt That goes out of bounds They get a first down Off of Dallas roughing the passer Just still can't do anything in the second half though Dallas ends up missing a field goal There's a 4th and 6 Miami picks up a first down late in the game But then they turn the ball over on downs Dallas scores a late touchdown with 345 left The Dolphins had 70 total yards in the second half of this game The Cowboys are number 1 in the league In 3rd down conversion percentage Giants 32, Tampa 31 Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones What a debut For Daniel Jones Some Unbelievable stats in this game The Giants, it was the first time When when they win, when trailing by 18 plus at half since 1949 So Tampa got the ball Second play, I mean early It was all Mike Evans, Mike Evans for 18 yards For 14 yards It was 4th and 1 at the Giants 41 They go for it, they get it Uh, They miss on a TD pass to Howard But then on the next play Touchdown Mike Evans Missed the extra point 6-0 Tampa early 
Daniel Jones, first pass, completes it 18 yards to Ingram. Then on third and nine, he gets a first down to Shepard for 26. On a third and six, great catch, one-handed by Ingram. And then after a field goal, 6-3. Four minutes left in the first Giants down. Ronald Jones looked real good. Catching a long screen pass. Bucks moved the ball really well. It was just so easy for Evans. A walk-in touchdown. They get the extra point block. So two touchdowns, but two missed extra points. So it's 12-3 to with 21 seconds left in the quarter. I mean, Jones was good all over the place. He was scrambling. He picked up a third and five. Scrambled for 11. Barkley left the game, but then came back in. And then, that's the news. He leaves the game again. He's injured. We'll see the timetable on Barkley could be out for, you know, we're seeing lots of different estimates, you know, four to eight weeks. Who knows with someone like Barkley because he seems like he's the type who can come back from injuries quickly. But will he even be trying to if the Giants aren't battling for a playoff spot? He just kept picking up first downs though, Danny Dimes, man. Big play after big play. Third and four, he rolls out. Barkley for 19 yards. Some misses like any rookie you'd expect. So it's 12-10 after a DJ. Danny Dimes keeps it for a seven-yard touchdown run. 9.58 left in the half. Giants down 12-10. Next play, 55 yards to Mike Evans. But a big sack. Forces Tampa to just kick a field goal. So it's 15-10 Tampa. Dangerous throw from Jones. Tampa gets the ball back. It's 18-10. They kick a field goal. They challenge a non-PI call. They get it, actually. And we got to see Howard getting involved a little bit more. And then, unfortunately, Barkley goes down again. He comes out of the game. Giants are down 28-10 at the half. They get the ball to start the half. First play, 75-yard touchdown to Ingram, and they get the two-point conversion. So all of a sudden, that 28-10 is just 28-18, 14 seconds into the half. Bucks have to punt. Giants start rolling. 19-yard pass to Shepard, 8-yard pass. Jones, some play action. He escapes some pressure. He throws to Slayton for 46 yards, third and seven. A great throw in the end zone. Nice catch by Shepard. All of a sudden... 28-25 with 8-14. Quickly, the Giants are right back in it. Tampa 3 and out. Giants 3 and out. There's a scary play. Jones gets hit from behind, and the Tampa defender tried to jump over him. It looked like he kind of stepped on his helmet for a second inadvertently, but everybody seemed okay. 3rd and 5 for Tampa at the Giants 35. Interception, Jameis with a bad overthrow of a wide-open Evans. Then Daniel Jones, second play. After the interception, ball gets knocked out of his hand, fumble, a great play by Shaq Barrett. And you get Ronald Jones for five yards, for 13 yards, for seven yards, for four, for six, for two. On a third and two, they go for it with Barber after Jones is running so well. Tampa kicks a field goal with six minutes left to go. They're up by six, 31-25. Giants have to punt with 4.20 left to go. Tampa gets the ball back, but they go three and out, punt it back. So Giants get the ball down six with 316 left. After a big play to Shepard for 36 yards, they go eight plays, 75 yards, touchdown. 
Two minutes on the time of possession There's a 4th and 5 at the 7 Jones steps up and runs right up the middle 32-31 One sixteen left in the game And then a weird ending Jameis throws a 20 yard touchdown to Throws a 20 yard Not touchdown, throws 20 yards to Goodwin And then 44 yards to Evans So it's first and goal at the 9 With 13 seconds left All they have to do is kick a field goal to win the game They spike the ball And then they just take a delay of game penalty And Mac Gay misses from 34 yards Could have been a 27-28 yard field goal Instead it's 34 And the Giants win 32-31 They outscored Tampa 22-3 In the second half The legend of Danny Dimes Is born Another good looking starting Quarterback here This one was Kyle Allen Carolina They win 38-20 over Arizona Back and forth early A lot of McCaffrey in this game 153 yards But Kyle Allen's four touchdowns He was a little shaky early Wasn't the greatest start He missed Olsen for a touchdown pass And then there was a sack And he fumbled on on third and six At the Arizona 15 After getting down early Arizona takes a 7-0 lead Carolina comes right back with a big drive 11 plays, 75 yards Allen escapes pressure Turns an 8-yard loss into a 1-yard gain Then a 15-yard penalty on Zona Helps the Panthers drive Third and Goal at the 5 Allen feels some pressure, he rolls right He throws a dart to Samuel in the back corner of the end zone With 14.09 left in the second 7-7 Cardinals move the ball well Murray He trips though when he's trying to scramble And he avoid a tackle, he loses 12 yards It goes from a 2nd and 9 to a 3rd and 21 Which forces a punt So then Carolina is able to get The ball, they have to punt Zona goes on a long drive They end up having to kick a field goal though With a minute 36 left in the half So it's 10-7 But Carolina goes on a quick 3 play drive 47 seconds, a short pass to right McCaffrey breaks Tackles for 18 yards And then more on on a 52 yard pass Kyle Allen Looking all over the place At different receivers Samuel breaks off to the inside Allen hits him For a big run after the catch 14-10 with 49 seconds left Next play for the Arizona offense A deep pass to Kirk He can't hold on to it though It would have been at the Carolina 25 Ends up 14-10 at the half Carolina And then it was all Carolina's second half Arizona Scored So they get up 17-14 to But then Carolina comes right back With McCaffrey And then a touchdown to a wide open Olsen 21-17 Murray scrambles, he moves around a little bit It's 21-20 2.50 left in the third So Arizona's trying to hold around To hold Strong, to, to fight But Carolina's offense was just sustained A little too much McCaffrey A little too much Kyle Allen Final score of this game was 35-20 to 20. It was 35-20 with 13 38-20 uh, It was 35-20 with 13-32 left And this is the last five Few drives for Arizona to end the game Four drives Five yards, zero yards, negative four yards Negative 18 yards They shut out Arizona in the fourth quarter Arizona just couldn't do anything late Interception, punt, punt, interception, punt 
The Houston Chargers game was a weird one. It was uh, Houston 27, Chargers 20. Chargers got up early. Uh, Houston had the ball. And Watson was looking for a screen pass. And he got caught in between. It was weird. He kind of threw it backwards into the ground. So it was a fumble. Chargers got the ball on the 15. And three plays later, touchdown to Allen, who just had a monster game. He's leading the league in most of the receiving categories right now. He had 13 receptions for 183 yards, two touchdowns, 17 targets in this game. And the word is that Melvin Gordon is coming back. Chargers now 1-2. and two. Uh, They could use it. There was a touchdown that got nullified on a holding penalty. It cost the Chargers points, and they ended up kicking a field goal. So it's 10 nothing with 10.32 left in the half. There's a big third and one for Houston on their own 34. They needed a first down. Uh, they got a flea flicker for 38 yards to Stills and the roughing the passer on that. So altogether, 52 yards on the play. Sets up a 16-yard touchdown pass to Fells. 10-7, 8-11 left in the half. There were two big plays in this game, two big third and 14 plays that Houston ended up getting that most likely won them the game. Chargers pick up a couple first downs, they punt. Houston picks up a couple first downs, then a punt, and then a long drive, uh, eight plays, eighty-nine yards for one eight um, in a minute, and uh, eight plays and eighty-nine yards and a touchdown in a quick long drive that only took a minute and eighteen. Williams for twenty yards, and then a PI helped them. Some Eckler, some Williams. There were three penalties on Houston on the drive. It's seventeen-seven with twenty-two seconds left in the half. Great play by Watson to set up a field goal attempt, but they missed it. So 17-7 at the half. Chargers up. Look like they're cruising. Houston, it's a penalty on the punt on uh, their first, gets a penalty on their first drive. Got a punt. Chargers three and out. Here comes that big third and 14. 9-12 in the third. Houston gets Hopkins for 15 when they needed 14. And then Fuller for 30 yards. It sets up a nice touchdown. So now they're going back and forth, but this is just another game where the Chargers are going to look back and and think that they really could have won. Third and 13 for the Chargers, they pick up 31. So they get to the Houston 29, it's second and four. Looks like a P.I. call on Allen. No call, was challenged, was upheld. Next play, it was a fumble, it was recovered by Houston. And then a roughing the passer penalty on the Chargers. The big third and three pickup of 34 yards to Hopkins on a quick slant and run. Then a wide open touchdown. Houston gets up 21-17 with a minute 19 left in the third. The Chargers were only able to pick up a couple first downs and they have to punt. Texans gets the ball back with a chance to go up two scores. Watson throws a pick. Look to be shaken up a little bit. But then offsetting penalties negate the interceptions. Just so many things for the Chargers shooting them in the foot. Next play. Looked like the Chargers have him wrapped up. He escapes over the middle. And wide open 53-yard touchdown. But they missed the extra point. So it's 27-17. That was the third consecutive touchdown for Houston. Chargers were able to tack on a field goal. But nothing more. They had the ball. With 4.19 left, a first and 10 on their own 16. But uh, after a river sack, things looked in trouble for the Chargers. But they pick up a 4th and 13. This is big plays. 3rd and 14, 3rd and 14, 4th and 13. 
They picked up a third and 13 earlier in the game, the Chargers did. Big plays on both sides. Looked like Travis Benjamin dropped a touchdown late. There's a fourth and two. Eckler picked up a first down. Looked like they completed a pass that would have been inside the 10, and they called offensive holding. It set them back, and then a Rivers overthrow ended things for the Chargers. 27-20 Houston. The 49ers go to 3-0. They beat Pittsburgh 24-20. And this game is one that it was unbelievable what, what had happened here. This was the first time in the last 30 games where a team turned the ball over five times and won a game. Since 2016, teams were tw- teams were 0 28 and 1. 28 losses, a tie, and zero wins when they've Turned the ball over five times. Well, the 49ers won this game. A lot of it had to do with Rudolph just looking really uh, inept, to be fair. I mean, they just were not moving the ball at all. Pittsburgh, they were not throwing the ball downfield at all. And Garoppolo was really unlucky. You know, you look at his stat line. He had a couple interceptions, and they really weren't his fault. There were just so many mistakes in here. Mistake, mistake, mistake. Every time it looked like San Francisco was starting to to turn things around, there's another mistake, and they kept giving Pittsburgh every opportunity to win the game, and Pittsburgh couldn't take it. Third play, screen pass. Brita juggles it right into a defender's arm. And then Mosert drops a pitch, and he fumbles, and then he recovers it back at the San Francisco 31. So they fumbled, and they had another fumble that they actually recovered. Jimmy G hits a wide receiver who can't make a play, ball gets tipped up, interception. First three drive for San Francisco, two interceptions off the receiver's hands and a fumble that lost him 18 yards and almost allowed a touchdown. Crazy, it's only 6-0 after that. And that was really, you know, Pittsburgh not able to capitalize on any of the mistakes. Another fumble. Mosert. Pitt recovers at the 9, but they can't do anything about it. Three turnovers through 18 offensive plays for San Francisco. Should have been four. Pittsburgh three and out. It's still just six nothing. Second and goal. Fumble on the snap from center. Now this is four turnovers for San Francisco. They get to the seven yard line. Pitt recovers at their own seven and then three and out. They just cannot score. It's six three with six forty five left in the half. San Francisco finally able to get on the board, but the ugly, ugly Pittsburgh offense just keeping them in the game. And then late. A slant to Juju, he breaks a tackle and a stiff arm for 76 yards. It's Pittsburgh 13, San Francisco 10 with 5.42 left in the third. Then San Fran goes on a big touchdown drive. So they're up 17-13. And you're thinking, okay, Pittsburgh, they're probably not going to be able to come back and score now. They have to punt. But then San Francisco punts right back on a deep pass. There's pass interference. Pittsburgh picks up a first down, a 32-yard penalty. And then the next play, wide-open touchdown pass to Deontay Johnson for 39 yards. Pittsburgh goes up 2017 with 10 minutes left to go. San Francisco answers right back, though. The big nine-play, 61-yard drive. They move the ball with ease. There's a weird play where the wide receiver is in motion. He runs into the snap. The ball gets loose and Pittsburgh recovers the ball with 6.34 left at the pit 24. They pick up a first down. There's 5.33 left. All Pittsburgh has to do is just run the ball out, 
get another score if they can. Instead, Connor fumbles three plays after getting a fumble gift. 49ers recover. 529 left. Holding sets them back. They pick up a third and 11, though, on a defensive holding. And then they score a touchdown with a minute and 15 left to go. Pittsburgh does nothing late. End up losing by four here, but covering. Saints-Seahawks game looks on paper better than it really was. 33-27. And really, the Saints just beat Seattle down. And this was a garbage garbage time game till late. I won't spend as much time um, on this. I mean, it was... It was 7-7 And With 2.24 left in the first Penalties were hurting some With the Saints early But Seattle just could not move the ball It was a lot of Camara. Seattle got a big run from Carson But he fumbled The ball got punched out And New Orleans returns it for a touchdown It's a huge part of the game It's 7-7 Saints, uh, Seattle have the ball And instead Saints Score a touchdown. Now it's 13-7. Starts to rain a little bit. And Seattle goes for a fourth and one. They get stopped at the 41. So it's a short field for the Saints. 29-yard screed pass to Camara. All of a sudden, the Saints are up by t- up 20 to 7 at half. They get the ball to start the second half. And they go on a 12-play, 75-yard drive. That takes 7 minutes and 16 seconds. They get a fourth and four at the 35. Where they're forced to kick a field goal But then the legal formation on Seattle Gives them a first down They end up getting a touchdown Now it's 27-7 And the game's really over It was 24, uh, 27-14 with 11.51 left It looked like Seattle was going to get back into this game There was a 3 and out Almost a Teddy interception Seattle got the ball with 10.55 left But they just couldn't get a score Couldn't get an opportunity They A touchdown they'd be down 6 they had a fourth and one on their own 29 and they missed it. Saints got the ball back, scored a touchdown, and they milked the clock doing it. They milked it for 522 and they got up 33 to 14. And then Seattle scores two garbage touchdowns late. One of them on the actual final play of the game on an untimed down. Saints 33, Seahawks 27. The Rams Browns game, you know, we watched this game and the Browns really, really should have won this game. It just. The poor coaching that we expected from them. I just didn't think it was going to be this bad. The Rams didn't didn't play that well again, but they're 3-0. and Back and forth early. Defense is both playing well. Uh, big penalties just continue to cost the Browns. Offensive pass interference. Uh, Chubb ran well th- most of the night. It was 3-3 with 11.41 left in the half. Uh, Cup dropped the first down. The next play, near interception. The Rams hit the punt. Browns go three and out. They punt it back to the Rams. Uh, the Rams are moving the ball. They pick up a couple first downs. Uh, a big sack for Cleveland makes it third and 11. Forces a 48-yard field goal, which is a miss for Zierlein. Next play, Cleveland picks up 25 yards to Landry. It's first and 10 at the Rams, 37. Cleveland's got all the momentum, but they lose yards. Third and 14, they are never in... You know, they're never able to make anything happen. It's a near big play to Landry, but the Browns are forced to punt. Rams drive, uh, then they start cooking to Cooper Cup, to Woods, to Cooks, to Cup. But then a false start, and then Rams fumble. The Browns recover first and 10 at the Rams 17 with 18 seconds left in the half and all three timeouts. A throwaway, a near interception, 
and then a deflected pass. They have to kick a field goal. So the Browns are up at a half, but just 6-3 when it should have been a lot more. Rams got the ball to start the third. They went on a great 10-play, 75-yard drive. They were really mixing things up. Gurley, Gurley, Cooks, Cup, Cup. So Rams take the lead, 10-6. On a big third and four, Chubb gets the first. A couple runs of 9 and 12. Then a screen to Chubb on third and 13 for 30. There's a pass interference on the end zone. Browns end up scoring a touchdown there. But the touchdown gets negated. Illegal shift. But on a third and two... They end up scoring a touchdown to Demetrius Harris. So the Browns retake the lead 13 10, 437 left in the third. Goff with a bad throw. Browns interception. Again, it looks like they got all the momentum, right? First and 10 on the 49 yard line, 331 left in the third. Up three. Chance to go up, you know, maybe six, maybe 10. Baker fumbles the ball. Cleveland recovers. Then he has Landry on a third and eight And he throws behind him Baker does not look good, right? He's not reading the defense well He's not stepping up when he needs to Next play for the Rams after a punt 23 yards to Cooks They're already in Cleveland territory Third and goal The Rams at the six for a wide open cup They go up 17-13 With 12.48 left Like the way Chubb ran in this game He was on the field a lot more We got a nice throw to Odell on the run for 19 yards But then another illegal formation penalty Then the play that everybody was going crazy about It was 4th and 9 at the Rams 40 And they called a draw play What the hell was that? Rams still couldn't put him away 3rd and 10, they pick it up But McVay had called a timeout So it was a no play Goff scrambles for 8 Comes up a little short But with a couple penalties It becomes a 1st down Rams kick a field goal. It's 20 to 13 with 6.29 left. The Browns then on their final drive need everything to go right. And then there's a penalty on the return, which backs them up 10 more yards. Then a sack. The Browns have to punt. Rams have the ball with 4.23 left. They just can't run the ball out. Pass gets tipped and an interception to the Browns. It's first and 10 at the 43 with 2.19 left. Gets to a third and 15 at the Cleveland 45 with a minute 47 left. And Baker to Landry for 27 yards. It is first and goal at the four-yard line. We get a high pass, a tip pass, off a receiver's hands, and then an interception in the end zone. Cleveland had the ball longer and more rushing yards. Overall, their defense played really well. They were missing their entire secondary. I was kind of encouraged with this game from Cleveland. Offensively... They need to work on some things, right? They need to clean things up. They need to be a little more disciplined. Uh, No more penalties. I just didn't think they played that bad. Oh, and then the Bears-Redskins game. This game was ugly, right? Keenum. uh, Bears 31, Redskins 15. I'm not going to dare have to force you to spend time listening to me talk about this game because it was bad to watch. But it was 7-0 after a pick six early. Washington missed a field goal. Keenum fumbled, trying to go up and over on a fourth and one. He had an interception. Chicago had three straight touchdowns, and the game was really over at the half. It was 28-3. Five turnovers for Washington, all Keenum. Trubisky had no pressure. He was able to move the ball. 
8 for 13 on third downs The Redskins have lost 17 of their last 18 Monday night football games at home 17 of their last 18 night Monday night football home games we got a Thursday night preview for you Eagles at the Packers Green Bay, this game is now minus 4 Green Bay, over under is 46 and a half This game opened at 4 It went up to 5 and a half Now back down to 4 Eagles are 0-6 against the spread in their last 6 September games Alshon Jeffrey should play tonight He missed last week He only had 6 snaps in week 2 Expect to see more from Devontae Adams though He's only got 15 catches and 198 yards through 3 games That could have been a game for him One good game This is a big game for the Eagles now They don't want to go down to 1-3 and three with Dallas playing very very well Can the Green Bay offense break out? Defensively they've been good They're 3-0 and but their offense has been struggling Weird kind of negativity about the Green Bay offense for a team that's 3-0 and And they've played three pretty good defensive, right? The Bears D, the Vikes D, and the Broncos D But speaking of Ds, the Packers D With Darius Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, Blake Martinez The new acquisitions and then Blake Martinez who's been there That's a good defense They are second in points per game allowed And they are first with eight takeaways so far this year Green Bay's 3-0 they won at the Bears, they beat the Vikings, they beat Denver Phillies 1-2 and two. They beat Washington, but they lost at Atlanta And they lost to Detroit Both of those games were close games That could have gone either way without Some of the Philly drops, the mistakes And their injuries, can they clean things up With Jeffrey and get not as many Drops in this game Will LaFleur continue to have that balanced Backfield, he wants it to be Williams and Jones and not just the Aaron Jones Show I mean, Philly's got it Gotta try to come out big in this game That's why I'm gonna stay away from this game These Thursday night games always scare me for the most part And I don't really have a good feel On this line either way So a Green Bay minus 4 If you're If you feel like you have to play it I'd probably take Philly Slightly Just with the plus The the plus The, the thing that bothers me though is that You, you could have got up to five and a half with Philly And now it's back down to four So I just I don't get a good feel for this game Period If you do I'd like to hear from you Speaking of hear from you I asked Everyone out there What's on your mind this week I got some responses I wanted to read through some of them I always like to keep the get all the, the listeners involved Because hey, I wouldn't have a show If it wasn't for all of you folks And you are all my co-hosts So what's on your mind this week Ryan Ryan K says I love the Texans to cover easy against the Kyle Allen-led Panthers Something tells me Romeo Cornell will come up with a defensive game plan To confuse the youngster Lots of J.J. Watt in the backfield Good to hear from you Ryan Nick, Mr. Guru Nick Says uh, things on his mind this week Mandatory payouts on Sunday Santa Anita Keeneland around the corner Arlington and CDI The start of the Cubs teardown Yeah, struggle for the Cubs Yanks Astros for the best record Tampa for the last wild card Jones and Barkley The 3-0 teams If not New England then whom uh, Can Dallas lose the East I mean this is a big game for Philly this week right I like what, what Nick Does all over the place Horse racing Sanding to Keeneland around the corner Arlington And CDI Looks like Arlington's going to get some dates for next year The Cubs tear down Is Madden out? Who stays, who goes? Yanks Astros for best record overall Who's going to get the home field advantage And 
I'd love to see the one of them hopefully play the Dodgers. Tampa trying to squeeze in that last wild card with Oakland and Cleveland battling it out. How long will Barkley be out? We got Danny Dimes and Jones, the three and O teams. Big game this week between the uh, the Bills and the Pats. Great to hear from Mr. Guru Nick. Lots of good topics. Shane Covey says uh, Martin Truex Jr. and Kyle Busch open as the favorites to win the third NASCAR Cup playoff race this weekend at Charlotte Royal. Uh, although when uh, and top three finish bets have been wagering options for years. Uh, again, I'm just reading off this. As you could tell, I don't know NASCAR or uh, racing very well at all. Horse racing, yes. But what Shane asks, which I like, and he says, why not make the sport more like horse racing and offer exotic wagers? And Shane, hey, in this day and age, especially with gambling becoming legal in, in all sorts of different places, I think all the options need to be more and more, right? Johnny, the Saratoga junkie, posted the big parlay that was floating around all week. There was a 20-team parlay that was purchased for $0.89 cents that needed the Washington Redskins to win straight up against the Bears, and we all saw how that ended up. Unfortunately, would have made five, would have hit for five hundred thousand dollars. And so people are talking about hedging and stuff at that point. Like, what do you do? You think somebody who bet an eighty-nine cent parlay is going to be able to somehow go get a hundred thousand dollars somewhere to hedge that bet or what? However much, I just don't know how you hedge that. Eric Pignataro said, "Week three, most profitable week so far." Um, on a side note, I'll be making my first trip to Santa Anita ever, October 10th through 11th. Cool, Eric, coming on out. And he said, try not to be, trying to stay humble and not be so overconfident this week. Moving from Tampa to Sacramento for work, living in Natomas for a little north of Sacramento, leaving October 3rd, driving all the way. Great to hear from Eric. A couple more for you. Doug Dwyer says, let's talk about the uh, bagel guy versus Screech, the Dustin Diamond fight on Saturday. Right, Screech steps in for Dykstra, and I was watching as, as prep for this, Doug. I was watching the uh, the old Dustin Diamond fights. Man, he is bigger than you think. He's six foot. He's got some reach. He's a foot bigger than the Bagel guy. I mean, he could probably really lay him out. Expect Screech to uh to whoop some ass in this in this one, John. John K. Uh, isn't a big fan of what he's seen so far in the NFL. Says, you know, only three teams in the AFC, maybe four teams in the NFC as a week four. League is a joke, and the scary thing is, is the upcoming quarterback with the most exceptions are not coming through at all. So, John, I kind of disagree. I think the NFL is in really good shape right now. You look at the AFC, sure, it's the Patriots, but you have the Chiefs there with Mahomes, who are the most fun team in the league, maybe. You have the Texans with Watkin, with Watson, who are a lot of fun. And then you have Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Josh Allen and the Bills are making noise. They got a big game against the Patriots this weekend. But if you're talking about the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Texans, there are some fun teams in the AFC. And then you look in the NFC, Dallas is playing really, really well. You have a Packers team that's got a little bit of a new identity. The Rams, 49ers are good right now. NFC's a little wide, more wide open. Who knows with Danny Dimes for the Giants. 
Detroit's having a good year. Minnesota, the Bears have good defenses. Can Teddy hold on with the Saints? I mean, there's lots going on. I think there's lots of fun storylines, and uh, it's, it's been a fun year so far. Thomas Ritchie talking about the undefeated Detroit Lions. And Ed Gerlitzky loved the Giants game over the week. We talked about both of those games a little earlier. The Lions 2-0-1, and the Giants now picking up that big win over Tampa. Chris said the Bears skins game not hitting the over burned him. That's Chris Barr. Well, let's make it back this weekend, Chris Barr. And then Chris Long lost uh, a few bucks on the Cardinals. He says the Cardinals suck. Chris, same thing. Let's make it back this weekend, Chris Long. My good friend, hope you are doing well. Let's close things out with some Santa Anita Friday. Oh. Opening day at Santa Anita. We're going to go quickly through the non-stakes races. And then the stakes races we'll spend a, a little more time on. The first race, each past performance is out. So we're talking Santa Anita, September 27th. I thought the three gate speed was the horse. If you're going to play an early pick five, to me, this is the horse to single, cutting back from a mile to six and a half furlongs. I probably won't play a whole lot in the early races because I just didn't love them. But if you are going to play... The June 23rd race, the morning snow race, was was a m- really tough race that Gate Speed exits. And then Gate Speed was really good on July the 31st also. So to me, this is the one to beat, and I'm not going to give you anything you know outside the box there. In race two, again, just depending on how you're playing the early races, I thought both the three and the eight were horses to keep an eye on. The three convincingly... Just looks like a horse who's going to improve second time out. She just started to get going a little bit late. I don't think she ran that poorly, and and I'm expecting her to improve second time out. And then the eight, undisturbed two-year-old filly, who was pretty good debuting five furlongs in a race that's come back live so far. So if you're playing, throw those two horses in, some of your exotics, or keep an eye on the price, and uh, whichever's a better price, or if you're getting some kind of... uh, Value maybe on the three convincingly and the eight undisturbed. Include them in some of your exotics. Not real strong opinion or anything in the third. The fourth race, I like the one in here. Uh, I recommend a win wager on Salsa Bella. She's pretty lightly raced, you know, overall. She's just raced nine times for uh, a four year old. And she's been entered in graded stakes a couple times when she. Came into the country And since then she's been more of like an upper allowance Type horse and if you look She's run pretty well She hasn't really been Completely overmatched I think she's been in a couple Tough spots and this doesn't look like One of them I think she's really well Spotted in here in race number four And she's coming off a poor Performance that might Make her price float up A a little bit and she might just be a little Um Undervalued because of that She came to Southern California On July the 27th and she proved she fit With a pretty good third She was not far behind Nettie's surprise in that race Closing third Now she gets to save all the ground from the inside And what happened on August the 17th She's sitting too deep, she's fourth, she's three off She moves up four wide and she gets stuck uh, Three deep Really for no reason, it was a bad ride And now Bejarano jumps aboard I'm not surprised to see a jock switch I'm just expecting a different trip today. She's going to save all the ground and come rolling in here. I look at 
this field and I think there's enough speed to set up the rally with with just sunset uh, sunrise royal and the speed that she'll likely be flashing in here. Galavi to the outside shouldn't be too far out of it. So let's go Salsa Bella saving ground from the inside comes rolling late. If we can get seven to two on Salsa Bella, let's make a win wager on the one. Fifth race is the Grade One Chandelier. Been studying her is the one in her debut at Sacramento. She beat a next out stakes winner. She sat close from the inside. She angled around and she won the battle with the uh, the the favorite that day. She was actually the second choice. And last out, she broke well. She was right on top. She was taken back. She was a couple lengths off. Fourth, fifth. She was three deep. She was in the clear. She loomed up nicely on the outside without really being asked. It was impressive. That was against Calbreds, and now she has to deal with tougher and go long. But there's only one horse in this field that's gone longer than seven furlongs. It's not like there's a bunch of experienced route horses in here. Calbred though facing the open. I like the two KP dreaming. In the debut, she was behind Impre- uh, Impressa in. Spiresa and Bast But that was just the debut She was taken back from the inside She angled the outside She was in between horses She was in kind of a tight spot And she took back and then she just couldn't re-rally It wasn't bad And last time she settled towards the rear She was in between horses But she was just a couple lengths off She had to wait for room patiently She moved to the inside She got to a good spot on the rail She moved up nicely and it was a good victory And she did it going a mile She's the only one in the field Who has raced past 7 furlongs She's the only one who's gone 2 turns KP Dreaming Will she have to take another step forward? Sure Comical was really good in her first couple We'll see this with a couple of these Doug O'Neills um, One later on in the uh, In the 2 year old Colt version Of the Grade 1 And I just don't know if she's Continued to progress after that Skylerville I can give an excuse for the August 3rd race from the rail When she had to flash speed Then she took back and came off the pace And was able to pick up 3rd last time out But she was well defeated by Bast And I don't know why she will be able to turn the tables On Bast who wow The blinkers just really helped Bast last out in her debut, she hopped at the start, and then she took a few strides to get going. She was pushed four wide all the way around, and she got to within maybe two lengths, but Inspiresa was just kind of cruising that day. But Bast was a clear-cut second, and last time out, she turns the table on Inspiresa. Bast sits a close-up second, takes back to fourth behind three, battling it out. She got a perfect trip. And when she was asked for some runs, she moved right by them all. She crushed the field. Blinks were big for Bast. Buyer's Remorse, who was a step slow and then was up, was got the lead in between horses, was pressed in the two path. I mean, he, she really put away the early speed and battled all the way. And she looked like she was going to beat Stellar Sound a couple different times. She looked like she got the better of her, but Stellar Sound just was able to wear her down late. Stellar Sound was 5th in the Del Mar debutante Then you have Lakothia Who did have trouble at, at Ellis in the debut Then came back on the 15th of August At Del Mar and absolutely crushed a field With the blinkers flew and opened up early The race was just over quickly She wasn't even favored And she was the second choice behind 
Biddy Duke, who was a next out winner. Actually, he's won two races in a row, made in 32 and then a starter allowance. Then on August the 34, uh, 31st, at 4-1 to one against Grade 1 Company, Bast included. She broke well, Lucothia. She was right on top. But she wasn't... I didn't, I didn't like the ride here either. She wasn't really asked to go on. And she kind of dropped back a little bit. And then she came through again. And she ends up battling instead of maybe having a, a length on the field. And she was all in and dropped out of it early. Let's go KP Dreaming. If we can catch KP Dreaming at anything over 4-1. to one, Bast is very logical. Won't try to talk you off Bast. But if, if you're talking about a win wager, I think KP Dreaming is a very interesting contender. And then Buyer's Remorse. I think just for a horse who has some speed, we'll try to fight and maybe can hang around at a price. Let's go 245 in race number five at Santa Anita. Stop what you're doing right now. Head on over to CindyCarava.com, full service realtor. Very happy to introduce one of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast. If you know the name, it sounds a little familiar. She's the wife of trainer Jack Carava, who's been a mainstay on the Southern California racing circuit for the last 30 years. And Cindy can help you with anything you need in the world of real estate. Buying, leasing, selling If you want to upgrade your home She can introduce you to vendors She can help you out with lenders Anything at all you need CindyCarava.com Or send her an email CindyC.Realtor At gmail.com Race number 6 is the Eddie D, 5 furlongs It's a tough little race for turf sprinters in here Eddie Haskell from the rail It's really tough to knock what he's done He's a grade 3 winner But this has got to be the toughest group he's ever faced He's going to have to deal with Mr. Vargas and Pee Wee Rees Along with Stormy Liberal and Tribalist Who he's defeated as of late I just don't like the rail draw For Eddie Haskell in here uh, He was Just outrun a little bit last time out Behind Mr. Vargas So I'm going to lean against Eddie Haskell in here Mainly based on Just the draw In a field that's going to be Tightly evenly matched It's going to be little things like post position That could really be the difference Between you know winning and finishing second Pee Wee Reese Is a grade 3 winner but This is not an easy spot for him to make his return Going 5 furlongs You know he has shown success Going 5 furlongs before But he hasn't raced since March And prior to that he hadn't raced since August when he was behind Stormy Liberal He's capable on his best But this is just not an easy spot for him Does he like Santa Anita? Yes But he likes the downhill course And he likes going a mile A little bit better than we know he likes going five furlongs I'm just watching Pee Wee in here today You have another greatest stakes winner in Lombo But Lombo doesn't have a lot of turf success Although his dam did win on the turf Three times, was a stakes winner, was graded stakes Place, one sprinting and going long On the grass, I think he hopes To sit just off But you're looking at the two time Breeders' Cup turf sprint winner You're looking at graded stakes Winners from the inside in in Eddie Haskell And Pee Wee Reese, you're looking at Mr. Vargas who's a recent graded stakes winner And you're looking at a horse like Boa Nova who can absolutely fly And then Tribalist who really does very little wrong Turf sprinting Just a not easy spot for Lombo Boa Nova can fly He 
just quickly had two lengths on the field in both of his last two starts. Uh, he was just not stopping late either. He's very, very fast, but he's going to run into other speed in here. Eddie Haskell's going to have to go from the inside. Pee Wee Reese is quick. Lombo's going to be right there. Mr. Vargas is quick. Tribalist is quick. That's what leads me to, to Stormy Liberal, who I think is going to be really ready for a big performance here. He's a two-time Breeders' Cup winner, but he hasn't won on the year. But he's been in some tough company. You see, he's been behind Eddie Haskell, not that far. He's been behind Mr. Vargas and Eddie Haskell in his first start returning from Dubai. He didn't like Kentucky Downs last time out. He's He's been a step or two off his best, but he should have every opportunity in here to get a great, great trip with all that speed and maybe get the jump on uh, a deep closer like Double Touch. I'm just going to use 5 and 6 Stormy Liberal and Mr. Vargas in, in the exotics because I really like how Mr. Vargas has shown that he can press just off. On July the 21st, he had to press 3 wide and just off, and that might be the exact trip he gets today. He has only run one bad race in his life, and that was at 6.5 furlongs, and maybe that's just a little too far for him. Mr. Vargas. To me, he's the one to beat in here. I'm going to have 5-6. Double touch... His wins have been at 7 furlongs, a mile, 6.5 furlongs, and a mile. This just feels like too short for him. It's Sadler off the claim, though. He's 2 for his last 10, first off the claim. And he's better than those numbers look because he's 16% over his last 5 years over an 89-horse sample with a $1.62 ROI. Tribalist. Same thing with Eddie Haskell. This is going to be the toughest field Tribalist has ever faced because he's having to deal with Eddie Haskell. Stormy Liberal and Pee Wee Reese all together and a horse like Mr. Vargas. So Tribalist who has shown the ability to just show up off the layoff and pop a big, big effort. I don't know if he can do that against this group. 5-6 in here. This looks like the two horses that are going to get the trip. Stormy Liberal and Mr. Vargas who might be in front Pressing and Stormy Liberal should be sitting right behind them with every opportunity. Put a line through that Kentucky Downs race. Just didn't, just didn't ever seem to really get over that turf course. And that's a weird course. It's a deep course. A lot of horses don't really take to it. Seventh race at Santa Anita. Take a look at the nine in here. Gumtree Lane. If you can get like four to one, play him to win and, and throw him in any in, of in your late exotics. They took a shot on the grass last time out, and that was the first start since December. I liked what I saw from him last year in his first two starts. It's his first time putting two together. I think he takes a big step forward, and he should have some speed to chase in here. The nine, Gum Tree Lane. Use in your exotics. Let's close things out. With the grade one American Pharaoh. American Theorem, the one, man, he was really good for Papa Padromo first time out. It was a step slow. He was in between horses. He was just two, three off, but he was sixth, uh, seventh. He was loaded. He got a seam. He angled around. He opened up. He held off a challenge. Now he takes the blinkers off and he has to stretch out from five and a half to a mile and a sixteenth. He has to do it from the rail and face others. But he's only five to one in here. I just just feels like a lot. The two four left kind of looks like the other O'Neill horse. Eh, comical. 
good early on, hasn't quite taken the next step. But I mean, he was only third in the best pal. Now the blinkers come off. He should be flashing speed at least. And just like comical, I mean, he could hit the board in here with with the speed. Should be. He was battling in between for the lead. He pressed from the two path. He was up to lead for a moment, but then he tired. I, you know, a pace factor at least in here. And then you have eight rings. Monster debut win. Broke on top. Ended up three wide. But he he just crushed a field. And then he was favored, heavily favored in the Del Mar Futurity, and he broke inward. He just looked bad right from the start. He broke inward, and then a few strides later, he ducked in, and he knocked into a rival, stormed the court, and they both jocks went down, and they were both taken completely out of the race. Now the blinkers go on. He's come back and worked fine. A couple works at Santa Anita. He's the one to beat in here. Express train. What I like about this race is that Eight Rings is the one to beat, but you have many horses in here you can take a, sh- a swing with, right? What I, I'm not going to talk you off American Theorem just because I don't like him as much. I'm not going to talk you off Express Train. I mean, Storm the Court, you can build a case for. I, I like Defense Wins uh, as the, the price play in this race. I'm actually going to make Defense Wins my top selection. Shoplifted, ships over here. Hey, He's not bad at all. He was one of the three Steve Asmussen horses. He was the second choice in that race. He was actually a shorter price than the winner of that race, Basin. I don't like Collusion Illusion as much, but I'm not talking to you off him if you want to play him. There's a lot of different ways to go if, you, if you're not just sold on eight rings. And eight rings defeated Express Train on August the 4th. Express Train was... Three off, he moved inside He moved and angled around But eight rings had already got the jump on him And Express Train was really good that day He was second and he was Nine lengths clear of the third place finisher And then Express Train comes right back Stretches out to a mile Good start from the rail Clears the field early, sits second He's in between He's outside his rival, he takes the lead On the inside, pressure Moves back to the lead Just puts him away very impressive win from Express Train last time out. I will not talk you off him if you like him. I thought there were, for me, there are four horses that I, I'm gonna use in the exotic six, three, seven, four. If you thought Express Train was a logical win contender, I do too. It's a lot based on price in here. Storm the court. His debut was good. He battled from the inside. He put away the other speed. He had to hold off the one to five favorite Garth, and he did. And it was a clear win that day And then second out He was involved in that incident with eight rings When he drew the rail Eight rings bumped into him And both of them lost jocks And they were both just Out of the futurity Treat him like a wild card in here I thought defense wins Of the the prices in here Is the one to use And I'll, I'll make him my top selection He's actually still a maiden But in his debut he was sitting three off from the outside. He moved inside. Then he angled around three deep in between horses. And he didn't get moving until late. And he was up for second. And it seemed like when Collusion Illusion came up alongside, that's when he started to kick into gear. And he was right behind Collusion Illusion. Then last time out, after the incident, he was last of the remaining six horses that were in the field. And he was close up. He was just three off. He was on the inside. He moved through, but he just didn't like 
being on the inside Then he angled outside And once he did He started to travel well And he just He just missed getting up for second Didn't have a lot of room earlier in the race When he was in, t- in tight Let's put him on top here At a price Defense wins the number 6 What's wrong with shoplifted Big debut winner at Saratoga And last time out He's in a grade 1 and he's in the slop And he loses to Basin In front of Godzilla Slow start from the rail He's last of 6 on the inside He's 7-8 off He keeps to the inside He angles out He gets up for 2nd Just up for 2nd on the outside He was a shorter price than the winner And he drew the rail In the slop You can come out here and improve and win this race Absolutely Nucky is a grade 1 winner But I think he was the beneficiary of that incident No 8 rings No storm the court Nucky pressed 3 deep Then he was 4 deep He was never more than a length off He moved to the lead slightly And he wore down rivals And he just kind of fell into it I like defense wins the most Out of that Delmar Futurity race I just didn't think a whole lot of, of The race that Wrecking Crew and Nucky ran And then you have Collusion Illusion Who's 2 for 2 and a grade 2 winner And in his debut He beat Defense Wins who I like So how do I not like Collusion Illusion Well I think Going longer I expect Defense Wins To be a little bit better I think Collusion Illusion was the beneficiary Of a couple good trips On August the 10th Last out He was taken back He angled to the outside he loomed up four wide and in between And he just kind of wore everyone down And he ended up holding off Wrecking Crew It's tough to really knock him But it's just one of those instances where you like others more So let's go Defense wins Eight rings Express train and shoplifted in the exotics here However you're playing The eighth From Santa Anita Coming up On the next Few episodes of That's What G Said We're going to talk Some Belmont Saturday Some Santa Anita Saturday We're going to have Andrew Champagne on We're going to to talk some Belmont We're going to also give out The NFL picks for the weekend For Sunday up to 14 and 6 Against the spread in the NFL And we'll have a recap of Ballers And we're also going to start uh, recapping A couple more of the new fall TV shows We're going to figure out Exactly which ones and what the schedule are will be in the next few days. Subscribe, rate, and review. Share around with your friends. We're gonna have some big contests coming up soon. Uh, we're gonna start predicting some games and just some follow along contests that will literally just give you money for following. So stay tuned, folks. Thanks again for tuning in to That's What G Said. <laughs>